Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the I Don't Get It podcast. You know all of our names by now, but what you might not know about yourself is your attachment style. What is attachment style? I have well, no idea. Well, it's kind of like the new love language, okay? So we all were fascinated by what love language we were and like how that relates to like successful, happy relationships. Well, now attachment style also kind of has to do with like finding a relationship that works for you or like making the relationship you that you have kind of work for you or, or un- better understanding what's going on. So 100%. Um do you know the three there's three of them, right? I actually I'm really excited because we're going to be joined by Dr. Carter Stout who is a psychotherapist in LA and he specializes in like depression, anxiety, trauma, but he's spoken and and ri- talked about in various articles about attachment style and I actually think there might be four. I realized after meeting with Dr. Mike that I lean more towards an anxious attachment style. Ooh, I, and, I love an anxious attachment style. Well, we're so, going to learn. I would like ask Naz what that means, but I think we'll learn Absolutely. From we'll talk about it. Stout. I just wanted to preface that's why. Um, that's why I was like, whoa. And I noticed a different, like, when I would go to the beach and there'd be like different people around, mm-hmm. people were like, oh, have you read that book, Attached? Like, I think it's very much on the pulse of what a lot of people are talking about right now when it mm-hmm. comes to dating. So. With that being said, we are going to be joined by Dr. Carter Stout. All right, guys. Well, we have Dr. Stout on the line. Dr. Stout, thank you so much for joining us today. Love being here. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> so basically, we're just going to start super basic, super cliche. What? How many attachment styles are there and what are they? There are three basic attachment styles. Um that uh, there are some spinoffs too and some variations to the three, but most people fit into three categories. The first would be an anxious attachment style and about 25% of people have that, um, could be characterized as that. And then there is the avoidant attachment style and another 25% of people generally fall into that category. And then you have people that are securely attached. And that's about so, half half of the world's population. Oh, oh, that's good to know. So I this sparked because I went to a therapy session. I haven't had the greatest track record in my love life. And okay. I sort of realized that I am anxiously attached. And my, ther- my psychotherapist actually told me that I should be with someone that is more securely attached. Mm-hmm. Can you explain like... Which oh. one is like the dev like, like the dev like the characteristics of each elevator one. spiel on each one? Sure, yeah, like absolutely. what is an anxious attached person? And, well, well, the the idea kind of spawns from this psychoanalyst named um, John Bowlby, and he uh, did studies on infants, um, in person studies, and um, and this was done back in the mid twentieth century, and he was. Uh, staging these experiments where he was watching the um, sort of how the the habits and the tendencies of the child were changed according to how much time their primary caregivers were staying with them. So, um, and the idea really with attachment styles is that uh, a lot happens to us in the first few years of our life and we sort of develop our belief system and whether we think believe things are safe and it forms how we 
actually start to deal with human relationships moving forward and even into our adulthood. So this early phase of life can really affects us. Um, and we <clears throat> find ourselves repeating patterns when we're in, in our adulthood or falling into certain kinds of traps or um, not having a lot of success in relationships. And we might be able to attribute that back to those first few years of life, which is pretty interesting. So the blonde one over there is my sister. (laughs) We have the exact same upbringing, like the most positive childhood experience you could possibly ever have. I'm secure attached from what I think. And she is anxious attached. Why would that happen? I think you're anxious attached. No, I don't think I think you become secure attached after meeting Jared. But your whole story arc on Bachelor in Paradise is that of an anxious attached person. That's like Hmm. the dictionary of You can definitely change according to someone that you meet. And if you were anxiously attached, Ashley, and then you met somebody who was securely attached, that was really brought your best qualities out of you and made you feel safe then there's the potential for you to move, kind of shift into that being more securely attached. But what is someone who is anxiously attached? I guess we need to know that first to actually know. Okay. Yeah. We can can definitely have some definitions, but I thought it might be fun to sort of play a little game first. Yes, Mm -hmm. please. Uh, (laughs) You guys like playing games? Yes. 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 Especially these kinds of games. Talking games. Yes, yes, (laughs) your attachment. Okay. 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 So I would just ask a few simple questions. Um, who wants to go first? Lauren. I'll go first. Lauren. Okay. Lauren, tell me about your relationship style, about your dating history, about how you feel when you're in a relationship. This is outstanding. Uh, <laughs> great, great content. Uh, how do I begin? Um, I feel... I. <laughs> feel very anxious when I'm away from the person. When I'm with the person, I am, like, so calm and cool. Okay. And, I mean, I, I would like to say I don't think I've had a very stable, normal relationship until the one I'm in right now. Okay. So... And as your sister, I would like to add that they haven't so much been abusive as they've been... I wouldn't say that word, but I'd say that, yes, they've been unhealthy. Okay. And okay. that Lauren likes to be the saver she likes to bring people to save under her wing. Okay. Or the savior, right? The yes. saver, the savior. Okay. So Lauren, um, what would happen if you were away from your boyfriend and oh God. And, and you had texted him and he hadn't responded within a couple hours. Oh my God. I would probably, f- I would fly or drive very fast to where he was. And I've done this many times. <laughs> okay. And so what's going through your mind? My mind is thinking he is going to dump me or ghost me. Really? Yes. Like a hundred percent. He found out something about my past that he doesn't like, or someone told him like a story about me that painted me in a bad light and I had mm-hmm. no control over it. And so then he is therefore dumping me and just Even not telling me. Even if the last me. time you hung out or the last communication you had was really positive yes. and really loving and really sweet and affirming. Yes, very much okay. so. Okay. Okay. Now, do you feel like you have a hard time trusting him? Um, I trust him uh, a, a lot, wholeheartedly. Okay. Yes. Okay. And do you trust yourself? I trust myself. I mean, like, okay. I, tr- I don't know what the not trusting myself would be, but... Like I trust okay. myself with other boys. Do you trust? Do you trust the relationship? Yes, I do. I think okay. it's just so ingrained in my in my mind the fear of being ghosted that I just bring it wherever I go. Mm-hmm. Even in because that's happened to you in the past, yeah. or is that because okay. it's happened? Yeah, and that was tra- really traumatic. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, according to the conversation that we've just had, would anyone like to? surmise what attachment style Lauren might fall into? Anxious. Could you be anxious? <laughs> ding, ding, and it, ding, it's ding, only ding. when I'm away. It's only when I'm away from them. But that that's what okay. it means, okay. right? Okay. So let's talk a little bit about anxious attachment. Yeah. Anxious, uh, 
People that are anxiously attached require a lot of attention. They could be considered needy. They are um, consistently um, feeling as though they're not safe in the relationship, especially when they're away from mm-hmm. from their partner. Okay, mm-hmm. um, they worry about things. They're in their in their head a lot. They think about the catastrophic scenarios that might happen, like you know that your boyfriend might find out something about you, right? Which is just sort mm-hmm. of a fantasy that you're concocting in your brain. Yeah, it's like worst case scenario. And honestly, right. I think that's totally it's not really everything. like yeah. based in reality, right? Right. Um, um, they people who are anxiously attached sometimes have a tendency to um, meddle in other people's affairs, Mm. having a difficult time um, with friendships, um, feeling as though people are unreliable and they're not giving them the time that they deserve. Um, They can be pessimistic, um, argumentative, unwilling to concede their point. Mm. Um, they don't want to be left alone. They constantly need reassurance. Mm. So those are some of the qualities okay. of being anxiously attached. Does, does that, does, does some of those qualities fit your yeah. style? Uh, I feel like I'm not super needy, but I do when I, yet again, when I'm away, I need a text maybe every two hours or I'll go off the deep end. Okay. She's needy, but like not in the way that like the guy knows she's needy, but like her friends know that she's literally sitting on the toilet waiting for the text. In the toilet, right. meaning that I my nerves live in my bowels. Right. <laughs> okay. Okay. Totally understood. And necessary is necessary human function. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I don't think I've gotten more compliments on a pair of sunglasses in my entire life. Um, <laughs> which one? And the thing is, I don't even like sunglasses, but I like these sunglasses and they're movement sunglasses. This isn't like this. They're the only ones that I, they're my reliable pair. I have one in every purse. They're just, they look so expensive that you, they feel expensive and they're actually quite affordable. If I wear them in any Insta story or out anywhere, I guarantee I'm going to get a compliment. They look kind of like I don't know, like a high-end designer, but they're the Reveller, Revealer, Slim Mm -hmm. sunglasses, R-E-V-E-L-E-R. You guys um, check those out, Slim sunglasses. They're so cool. They also have blue light glasses, which are all the rage now that everyone's staring at their screens. And it's also the blue light glasses are just cool if you want to like kind of like hide your face for a little bit. You're not wearing tons of makeup. You want to look cool and you want to look effortless (laughs) and you want to look smart, you know? That's what I love about movement. Those are the ones I use and it's so quarantine chic. I will say movement is one of those companies where you wear it out or you wear it on Zoom or whatever your lifestyle is these days. And people are like, oh my God, where'd you get that? And mm-hmm. you're like, it's movement, you yeah, know? Yeah. And unbeatable prices, you guys. They had the looking quality of like 400 to $500 sunglasses or watches. They do sunglasses, watches. They, they have you know, their hands in a lot of things right now, um, but they're a fraction of the price because they were built online. So they don't have that middleman. They do their own process start to finish. And what's awesome, Ashley, is that their shipping is free. So you can get a beautiful watch shipped to your door for free. And if you don't love it, you can actually also ship it right back for free, which is honestly amazing. So if you guys want to elevate your look with style that doesn't break the bank, then join the movement and get 15% off today with free shipping and a free return. All you have to do is go to MVMT.com slash get it. Again, that's MVMT.com slash get it. Um, so... You would text your sister or you would text your friends and be like, oh, my God, yeah. why is he texting me back? What is going on? Yeah. And spiral into this place of fear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay. So that, so that would definitely, definitely put you in the category of, of anxiously attached. Mm-hmm. I have a question before we move on to another style. Yeah. So because you mentioned that it could be rooted or the person, I forgot his name, John Boyle. John Boyle, yeah. John Bowlby, I was close. Um, 
that it it manifests itself early on. I am also anxiously attached, and I think I'm moving to more securely but wait, attached. He hasn't diagnosed. It. Let him diagnose. Oh, it. Right. oh are yeah. we going through yeah. everyone? Yeah, we are. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't yeah. realize we were going. Ashley's so excited. Okay, okay, Ashley, you go next. No, no, no. But, sorry, doctor. That's okay. That's totally fine. What I want to say though is the the template that that John Bowlby set up. The way that I look at attachment styles is that it's not really wholly dependent on the first few years of life that it can okay. extend in throughout the childhood mm-hmm. and maybe okay. even into early, early adolescence. You know, Got things it. happen to us when we're kids that are uh, emotionally traumatic. Like we get bullied or we get you know, teased or, you know, we have an older brother or sister that we look up to that doesn't give us the time of day or we think is super cool um, and we feel less than our parents split mm. up and get divorced. There, there are all kinds of things that can happen, right? Whoa, okay. In these early so, formative years that can affect our attachment style. Your, your attachment style, interesting. Yeah. So I would think that like your first couple romantic relationships helps determine it even more so, but you say like early adolescence. So no, because Lauren, I believe might be anxiously attached just because one of her first boyfriends was the ghoster and that's what she feels traumatized by each time. Right. But that's, that's logically Mm -hmm. what you would think. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that the attachment is already implanted in you. And that's what I wanted to ask right, you about. So that's just people, like the activating yeah. event that brings it really out. Oh, Got it. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I definitely want to ask you about my childhood when we get to me. But diagnose <laughs> Ashley next because okay. I think I think I know why I am what I am. Okay, Ashley, you grew up in the same household as your sister, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and But you have, have noted that you perhaps look at things differently or have different patterns in relationships. So mm-hmm. according to your, when you think about your teen years and maybe your, um, you know, some of the relationships that you went through in high school and, and after high school, how did you feel about them? Like what was so the, he- the overwhelming sort of theme of those relationships? So here's the thing. Never had a serious relationship until my husband. Oh, wow. I was always the person that was either scared of getting into a relationship or like would fall in love with, quote, unattainable or emotionally unavailable people. Okay. And then my friend, my husband actually had me quite friend zoned for like two and a half years and then like came out of it and we've been together for three years now. Amazing. Well, congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So what was it that was keeping you out of the relationships, do you think? What was, was it um, a, a, a not feeling a certain way about yourself or was it a confusion about the whole intimacy process or dating process or was it you know a fear of getting hurt or do you know what it was not a fear of getting hurt i think it was an intimacy thing Mm -hmm. um i was a virgin for a long time and like i don't know i was always like kind of like nervous about that territory And um, then I just felt like I always used to say, like, honestly, I felt like it was a lot of just bad luck. Just like the the people that I fell for just didn't really have the exact same feelings back. They always liked me, but they never liked me enough to like 100% make me their girlfriend. Do you think that you were available? That you think you were really available? Or was that, did you have some, some there walls? There was a wall. As the sister watching from the outside, there was some wall. <laughs> Yeah, fall. but like, who do you think like would I even wanted the wall to f- fall for? Right, Lauren. Except for maybe like one person, I you know. I don't know. You just never seemed like it was a priority to be in a relationship. Yeah, I okay. So Lauren like That's really depended on really depended okay. on the attention of men, and I didn't depend on the attention of men at all. Like I definitely did not need that to feel fulfilled. Okay. Okay. And it's weird because like we always make fun of the fact that Lauren seems like she has daddy issues, but we have like the most involved loving father of all time. <laughs> well, that's amazing. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and, awesome. and and not so common. We strive yeah. to be we strive to be good daddies. I'm a daddy. 
<laughs> I have uh, a four-year-old son named Sebastian. Awesome. Aww, my Aww. husband loves that name. Amazing little dude. And, and I have a, a daughter named Maxine who's seven. Maxine, what a great name. Yeah, um, that's a dope name. Yesterday we went up. I live in Topanga Canyon in California, Mm -hmm. and we were up at the stables, and and Maxine has a pony, and we were riding together. Oh, my God. that's amazing. That's incredible. That's so Uh, nice. That warms my heart. I know. I I mean, me too. (laughs) That's the best. So So lovely and wonderful to be able to do that. Um, But I'm so happy to hear that you had a really – positive that you think of your father really positively that's you know that's amazing mm-hmm. oh yes now what i would say ashley initially uh just on what you're telling me is that you may have when you were younger been in more of an avoidant category uh-huh mm, and that's not saying that's that that's where you are now yeah so you can like grow and change attachments. Of course you yes. can. Yes, mm-hmm. of course you can. Of course. That's and that's the, the idea. Part. Like, you know, yeah. how do we psychologically grow from one place that might be a little bit more unhealthy and how can we grow into a place where we feel securely attached? And a lot of that has to do with our relationship with ourselves and how we feel about ourselves, but also meeting somebody who's nurturing, who's kind, who's loving mm-hmm. and reliable right? Mm-hmm. That we can feel safe with and like who um, allows us to to maybe let those guards down for the first mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like what would the... You found. What, I agree. Uh, yeah. What would be the definition of an avoidant type? Avoidance, um, they're... In regards to relationships, they're a little bit uh, timid and a little Mm -hmm. bit cut off from their emotions. They are a little bit uh, uh, uncomfortable with intimacy, with really kind of showing themselves. Um, They um, want to have a loving connection, but they don't really know how to make that happen for themselves. Um, there is like a deep rooted fear that if they really show themselves, they might get, uh, hurt. They might mm-hmm. get, um, um, you know, um, not treated well. Um, they have maybe an unconscious fear that they're going to be abandoned or rejected by somebody. And that might not be present in their conscious mind, but it's more sort of deeply rooted in their psyche. Mm-hmm. Okay, if that makes would that, that makes correlate sense. to it their does. childhood? With, it could being abandoned you know, as a child. Although you guys grew up in the same household, I'm sure that you had different experiences, right? Yeah. Different experiences with friends, different experiences with uh, school, very yeah, much classmates school. and school, yeah. and and the things that. Uh, really have a, an ability to shape how we perceive ourselves. It's Rothy's time. Rothy's time. Rothy's, <laughs> You guys, I'm not stopping talking about Rothy's until every one of you have a pair of these comfortable, washable, sustainable shoes and bags. You know, they're the only flats that don't cut up the back of my ankle. There's no break-in period because they have this seamless knit-to-shape design. They're made from recycled water bottles and marine plastic so it's eco-friendly you're doing a good thing for the planet by buying Rothy's Meghan Markle wears them Vogue loves them do you need any more selling points Um, they have transformed over 75 million bottles into shoes handbags and face masks unbelievable wait Lauren you have another one Um, well CNN says they're the comfiest slip-on shoe they've ever experienced and the quote favorite shoe of all time and I know some of you guys are going back to the office and you're used to wearing your sweatpants and slippers and these shoes are the closest you're gonna get to your slippers so I would say get these 
to me, that is like the best selling point. My favorite thing about Rothy's is if you're OCD like me and you hate when there's like things on your shoes, these shoes are washable, durable, and flexible. Their signature thread is like made from repurposed plastic and it minimizes their impact on the planet, maximizes comfort for you. I literally throw them in the washing machine and that's how amazing this is. So, guys, check out all the amazing shoes, bags, and masks available right now at rothys.com slash get it. That's rothys.com, R-O-T-H-Y-S.com slash get it. Style and sustainability meet to create your new favorites. Head to rothys.com slash get it today. So, does this apply to just romantic relationships or friendships as well because I've always been very honest and like vulnerable as like a girl with girls and all that like I was on The Bachelor and I was literally known for being extremely expressive mm-hmm. <laughs> and vulnerable but yet I can also still be avoidant when it comes to romantic relationships right right um, by the way, just a side note, I know that you were on The Bachelor because I watched you on The Bachelor. <laughs> okay, <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. Okay, great. So a little of that background, okay, you may have so already I know known. a little bit of your backstory. <laughs> okay, great. Thank wait, you. wait, this is great. We thought we were talking Jenny. to someone who has no idea like who you were. Just so right. No, my no, wife, Jenny, is, is diehard. Love oh, it. Oh, we'll say hi to her, please. Hi. Well, thank Jenny. She's probably the reason you're sitting with us today. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I thought when I got the email from you guys... I was like, she would murder me. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's awesome. Exactly. Well, Jared just took the dog for a walk, but he says hi too. Oh, cool. Cool, cool. So we tend to, especially with our very close-knit friends, feel we can cocoon with them and we can feel safe with them, right? But when it comes to something like a, a romantic relationship, they're more enigmatic and they're more... You know, um, friendships tend for most of us to come fairly naturally, at least. You know, avoidance might not be the most popular person in the whole entire class, but have a mm-hmm. few very close friends, right? Yeah. Um, but certainly the attachment style could tra- would translate more to romantic relationships being uncomfortable. I bet there's a lot of correlation between attachment styles and like your horoscope because I feel like an anxious person is so me like a Virgo like overthinking all of that and then Mm. avoidance I I don't know the other signs other than my own but I'm sure it's like someone probably Scorpio because that's the one that like breaks everyone's hearts really (laughs) seems avoidant based on the fact that like the two main like romantic relationships in my life have both been Scorpios and it took them a bit. Okay. Well, so many zingers, Doctor Stout. So many zingers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm not. I don't know that much about my uh, astrological sign, but I just know that I like being a Scorpio. Yeah, yeah. No, Scorpios <laughs> are tend to be usually very thinkers. People and, are drawn to them. Yeah, yes. for sure. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, also, the unavoid the um, avoidance kind of makes sense for me in the way that like. I was so fearful in my 20s as a virgin that that would be the reason that guys would reject me. Whoa. So I would hide So I would hide that right. element of myself as long as possible. I mean, well, there you go. Well, I, that's not like surprising no, to me. No, but no, but that's so, I think I've Dr. always Stout, known that. But, yeah, but, but it's hard the for label people to it. pinpoint That's it, a great awareness that you're happy. Yeah, that's and, so good. And so, and I'm sure that you've thought about this a lot and you've probably even spoken about it, but what, what was it that was um, keeping you from, you know, having a physical relationship with someone? What, why were you holding on to your virginity for so long? Um, I, I think there's probably a mixture of things, but just like I I always had in my head, like it must be a committed relationship. Mm -hmm. And then that didn't come for so long. And then because it it took so long, then I got to the point where I was nervous about one reveal, mostly revealing that and then being concerned about the rejection because of it, Mm -hmm. because I had a sort of traumatic rejection because of it. You did. Yeah. Yeah. So like that kind of like carried on. I was like, 
oh, well, how am I, I, I don't want to talk about it because then they might not like it. It's like a vicious cycle. Like you're not putting yourself in a cycle. I find it so interesting that like something so deeply personal and so delicate and, and, you know, so noble in so many ways could, could be used to shame somebody. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It wasn't always like, it wasn't always in shame. Like a lot of the guys were doing it because they like wanted to kind of like protect me and be good to me and like treat me better because they didn't want they were like i know like i'm not that serious about you so i don't Mm -hmm. want to do this and so like that's respectable and yes certainly it was hurtful and yet also helped (laughs) but i was saying that you you were holding on to some of that and you know some of that is cultural you know because you had waited for a long Mm -hmm. time and not wanting to reveal that to people yeah. You know, so. Yeah. So nice. interesting. It's your turn. <laughs> Thank you My for sharing. Turn. Okay. Thank you for helping. Absolutely. So. Naz, tell me about uh, your. <laughs> oh, God. Your, so uh, it's funny because. Uncomfortable, there's a- awkward, younger years. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> well, there wasn't. I There's a lot of overlap in everything that Lauren and Ashley kind of shared in the sense yeah. where um, I had a great childhood. I also want to preface like I'm a millennial and I do feel like we are in that um, blue participation ribbon generation where like we just kind of grew up getting blue participation ribbon. Yeah, so I think, I think that's more Gen Z, but continue. You think? Oh, I think yeah. it was really us where we we like need that validation, you know, like am I doing right at work and stuff like that. Like I've just noticed like growing up, I would equate my happiness like with my success essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was a late, I'm also a late bloomer in the sense of like real relationships to this day. I've never, I don't think I've had like a real boyfriend. Mm. She might um, be in the midst of her first right I now. Maybe in the midst of one. Okay. Um, but, but basically, yeah. So I worked on the bachelor, which is how I met them. Okay. I was a producer on it and then became best friends with them. Cause I just felt so I related to Ashley so much because we were upper 20s, had never really had a boyfriend. And that's actually what birthed this podcast. Mm -hmm. It's called I Don't Get It because we didn't get how girls got boyfriends. (laughs) Anyway, so after I left the show, I wanted to pursue a career on camera. But I also wanted to date because you can never really date on that show. And I don't know why in college and high school, I never had a serious relationship. I was in a sorority. I was very social. Um, I think South Florida is like kind of a weird environment. I never really felt at place there, which is why I always knew I wanted to move away. You know, it was like, it was a serious <laughs> hookup culture. It's a serious yeah. hookup culture. It's toxic in a lot of ways. You know, like a lot of people I went to college with like did drugs. Like my right. 17th birthday was at a strip club. Like it, I just was Your like, I want to watch at a strip club. I did. Yes. With that. a fake ID, like in, in was, like, that, was that by choice? Was that something that you, yeah, that's, I mean, it's also like, it's, that's the environment I grew up in, you know, that's what was cool. And that's like what everyone wanted to do. But I wanted to like, you know, be at home and like watch Disney movies and never, I mean, I had a great childhood. I say this to say a lot of the external factors that you're talking about now, but like, what was the internal, what was your interior life? So I think I always kind of felt like I wasn't good enough. I don't, I never really felt pretty until college when Mm -hmm. I joined my sorority and like other girls taught me how to like do my hair and taught me how to put on mascara. And I was a tomboy, like braces were a headgear, like basketball shorts, like no style in middle school. Yeah. Are you just throwing that in there? No. I did not know this. Yeah. I had one, but I wouldn't like wear it to school. I was supposed to, but like, you know, like I, all these things sort of made me feel like, I don't know. It's weird because I was like popular, but in a way where I was popular because I got along with everyone, mm-hmm. not because, you know, I thought I was like cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so when so I left felt, the bachelor, so there was insecurity. You felt insecure. Yeah. I've always kind of felt like insecure like that. Yeah. And so when I left, I finally met someone, um, but I was unemployed. So like that sort of happiness bucket wasn't being filled. You know, I was like this unemployed wannabe TV host. And so I met this person and I was so, it was like living in the gray, like, mm. you know, like one day we were good, one day we weren't. And I was so contingent on like his text messages for my happiness. Mm-hmm. And like, cause I wasn't doing anything. I was unemployed at home. That's after six months of that, 
that heartbreak was so traumatic for me. I fell into like an acute depression. Um, I It was insane that I started a support group for people that are heartbroken because that's how like debilitating it was for me. Uh-huh. And since then, which was the beginning of 2017, I've dated people, but I like no one in my head, my narrative was like, no one's ever picked me. Like no one's ever given me a chance. I've always felt like I was like a rocket that never launched. Uh-huh. You know, like I'd meet guys in three dates. It yeah, was great. we both felt the same in that sense. And so, that's where I related to Ashley and Lauren in the sense where like if I didn't get a text like it was I was like oh no this one's not going to work out either this one's not going to work out either and I'm sure my anxious attachment manifested itself in that first big heartbreak Mm -hmm. because I was so like I need to know what we are I need to know what we are I wanted this label so bad Mm -hmm. and so I say all this to say the other thing I wanted to share with you is that um I've done a lot of like self-work and my parents are like incredible. My dad loves me so much to a fault where I would describe the feeling as being like smothered at times. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if that's where mine started, that mm-hmm. I was like so loved and like always told I was the best mm-hmm. and given so like it was so much that I don't know, maybe nothing well, that's like what I need. Yeah. What's interesting about growing up is that there is no magic uh, blanket of safety for kids, right? So even in the in a household that seems loving and and seems idyllic um, from people on the outside looking in, sometimes as kids, we just don't get enough of something that we need. Uh, everyone is different, right? The human experience is very complicated. And so um, two sisters growing up in that same house right or might turn out very differently or or be close friends but have different uh different things that they are are concerned with or different fears about things um oh something else i wanted to share with you actually that i think might be helpful for you because you're a psychotherapist is like i've done a lot of studies about the mother's gaze yeah and so my dad was my mom so i grew up with like role reversal oh so my mom now we're amazing, but my mom was like more cold and like warm. And so I got all that love from like a man more growing up, uh-huh. if that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know if that's why. Right. Well, that could be some part of it, you know, certainly. <laughs> um, ideally, you'd want to be getting that love from both of your parents, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes when we have such a strong bond with our father, we want to find somebody who emulates that, you know, that paternal figure that we really look up to and we trust. And it's hard to find. Yeah, especially in LA. Right. It's like so hard. Right. And yeah. And I've noticed that most of the men that I've been attracted to were avoidantly attached. attached. And I also don't know what that was about. Is there, do certain, do certain styles uh, attract or repel other styles? Well, if you can imagine this, imagine an avoidant and a an anxious, a, a, right, and an anxious attached couple. Oh, that would make the anxious person so much more anxious, right? So <laughs> well, Lauren, that's what I we've mean, been through be in like, our past. It would be like you know a torture chamber for that exactly. person because they would not be getting any response, and they would think that you know constantly be thinking something was wrong, but the the avoidant would just be you know, manifesting their own attachment style. So when when the people listening, if you're going on a first date, is there any way to like gauge this, <laughs> like to make sure you guys are compatible in your attachment styles, like on the get-go, so you don't have to well, like it's deal hard with to anxiety? Know, okay? <laughs> okay. It's hard to know. You can ask them what they're doing. People is. don't really reveal themselves yeah. on a first date. And mm-hmm. I see a lot of people and I work a lot with relationships and the, and the patients that I treat. And I always tell my patients that it takes three to six months to really get to know someone. Oh. And the way that things are set up right now in society, especially from, for people of, of younger generations, is it's like immediate gratification. And mm-hmm. swipe left, swipe right, find somebody in your neighborhood, go and meet them and you know, and jump into bed. There's a lot of that that's going on, and it's really fractures someone's ability to really um, 
methodically take their time to get to know someone. And I'm a traditionalist in that way and think that it's really important that you should get to know someone because you don't want any surprises down the road. And people are generally on their best behavior in in the first few months. And you don't really get to see them, you know, in their, uh, in their dysfunction. So, uh, as a therapist, how many days, dates do you think that people should wait before they're intimate? Before they do the deed? Yes. Yeah. Well, I think that's certainly up to the, um, to the consenting adults. Uh, <laughs> consenting yeah, adults. I, think it's, I don't think it matters. No, but I, I want to see if... I certainly encourage the people I'm working with not to sleep with one another for a month. A month. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. And mm-hmm. so if that means they're going on four dates or if that means they're going on 10 dates, I say use the first 30 days as just sort of a, a, a period of time to appreciate the other person, to get them to know them a little bit better. You can, you can be, you know, intimate in other ways. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying to, to, to have sex with them, right, which is really kind of diving into real intimacy and, and, um, and something that is for a lot of people, including yourself, Ashley, right. Is a, is a very sacred thing. Mm-hmm. Wait, so am I anxious attached? I am, right? Sorry, um, I needed the diagnosis. Well, what's interesting about you is that it seems like earlier on, you may have been a bit avoidant. Avoid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you have perhaps, um, with sort of societal pressure telling that you needed to be in a relationship and you feeling maybe that you were a late bloomer and wanting something really badly, that that created anxiety for you. Like I need to have this thing and I, you know, I don't want to miss the boat. And Mm -hmm. um, that sort of has morphed into maybe more of an anxious attachment style. Mm -hmm. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Like Ashley said, would why do you think I've like always dated avoidantly attached people? Is it because she has secretly been in an avoidant and wanted to also it's secretly somewhere in her subconscious not wanted it to work out because she was scared of it? Like, did I like did I manifest that narrative for myself of like being Ashley? I think you have a second career as a as a. Psychologist, I think we got to get. Oh, God, Google. that satisfies my soul. Right? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're so funny. Um, I think that that perhaps could be exactly right. Um, I think that there was something that you had trepidation, you had fear about really showing yourself intimately, and as you were saying before, 
you felt insecure maybe because people weren't looking at you um, in, in that uh, uh, way when you were younger, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when you had your headgear on. And, and <laughs> I that, bet. And that I bet. made you feel a certain way about yourself that you, you know, yeah. beautiful in the way that, that you really are. And, and you know, we place so much emphasis on looks and, um, and that can really be a detrimental message that we, we feed ourselves. Um, wow. We can form beliefs around that, which, which still can linger when we, when we're a little bit older and when we're in our twenties and in, even into our thirties. Wow. That makes sense. Um, that tracks. I was just going to say that I bet that from like a guy's perspective or the past two years of guys you've dated, I bet they went to their friends and they were in like the anxious stage maybe. And they were talking about you and they're like, there's this girl who's just avoiding this relationship. And like, they kind of probably flipped it on you. Like, I bet you like broke hearts and made guys anxious and all this stuff. So in the last two yeah, years, in the last definitely two years, yeah. did. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, no, definitely. Maybe. But the ones that I really, really liked, like you guys know last year, the big one, I I really, really liked someone last year. And it felt, again, I mean, three dates, it felt really great. And then I truly, in my heart, not embarrassingly feel like this person walked away from something that actually would have been good. And I think he was just like too much too soon or like, I don't know. It was just three. You just went on three dates. That was it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And did you spend time in, in, at, in the interim, like outside of the dates? No. Okay. No, so you didn't history. really know him. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. You had him maybe up on a pedestal. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, hey, Lois. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely on the pedestal for sure. Right. For sure. Right. And now you're with someone that you feel is a good match for you and, and you're moving forward with that. Is that Right now, I am in, just like you were saying, that three to six month phase okay. where I'm like terrified in two ways of like it working out, it not working out. And I'm like so grateful for the experience that to actually get close to someone and get to know someone. Yeah. And I think I'm working through my anxious attachment yeah. and becoming more and You're more doing securely a really good attached job. to it. Amazing. And I'm hoping for the best. I don't know. I think now, I think I was very... about it working out? Tell me, tell me what, what are your fears about it working out? I don't know. Well, it's never worked out for me before. So what is that? Fear of the unknown? Yeah, it's it's fear of the unknown. Like even, I don't know how to cohabitate with another person. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Does it have to happen that soon though? Do you have to cohabitate? Can't you live apart for? No, I mean, when I mean cohabitate, I mean like genuinely be around someone else. I don't know. I don't, I'm scared of like losing myself, you know, Uh like being independent as like, I've lived by myself. I travel by myself. Who am I going to be with someone by my side? Right. Those are avoidant tendencies, though. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Look at you. (laughs) Look at that. You're different than you thought. Yeah. Those are avoidant tendencies, right? To say I'm being protective and like, I don't want to lose my independence. And, uh, and, and, and those are all, you know, conscious ways to protect ourselves, right? To keep, yeah. Because whenever, Whenever she talks about this guy, she's like, I really like him, but I'm scared. Like, we're so different. Like, it's almost like she's always trying to talk herself out right. of it. I, I think I'm just trying. I think I'm always bracing for impact, which is why I thought I was anxious. Mm-hmm. I'm always bracing for impact. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm scared you to be, be super excited and happy. And I was going to say, you're both. Whoa. Oh, because he said they were spinoffs. Yeah, is that so a spinoff? Am I a spinoff? All right. You can be a hybrid. So what does that mean? What are what are people like that? Well, what well exactly what herself. we're talking about. You have fear of loss, right? Or it not working out, but you might not be allowing yourself to be fully available because you're protecting yourself mm. because of that same fear, right? Wait, so what's, what's the 50% uh, a sta- stable, secure? Secure. 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 So you got two of the worst ones, Naz. You're... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but that's okay, Naz, because you can totally transform into someone who is securely attached. You just have to really, you know, and this is what I tell all the people that I work with. You just really have to, the, the most important relationship you're ever going to have is the relationship with yourself. Mm-hmm. And so it's how much you love yourself and how much you care for yourself. 
and how much you believe in yourself. And according to how healthy your relationship is with yourself, right. all of the other relationships in your life are going to become, are going to flourish. Mm-hmm. Right. right. And, and I think that's, you're hundred percent right. And I'm, I have perfectionism disease. So I've been really working on loving myself and that's been like a journey I started like two years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it's hard. Well, it's, it's hard because I'm like you know, so hard on myself. These two ladies by your side, you know, that are your great <laughs> friends and, and that sense of validation and that sense of safety mm-hmm. that you have and li- people that are lifting you up. And, you know, mm-hmm. I just totally encourage you to surround yourself with those types of people, you know, yeah. people that make you feel good about yourself. But, but also, you know, your, I, I firmly believe this and, and th- that we all have a soul and that our soul is our authentic self. It's our essence. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all of our best qualities. And so I do a lot of work with people to try and reconnect with their soul. Oh, I love that. Right. How do we, how do we learn the language of the soul and how do we, and that is something that, you know, I think you should think about like that there's a part of you that doesn't feel insecure and doesn't feel judgmental about things she's done and really just deeply, deeply loves herself. And that's, and tap into that. Yeah. Um, I have a question when you were saying about like, um, like, coming in touch with like your soul or regaining your soul uh, do you think that we like, we lose it through like adolescence or something because i feel like when we're kids we're like so joyous and present and then yeah, we're just right. lose our soul you're 100 mm-hmm. percent right okay the, the soul the way that i think of the soul is the soul is the is our pure consciousness that's untethered to human experience okay mm-hmm. come into mm-hmm. the world as these, you know, very trusting, loving, kind, generous beings. And then yeah. the process of being a human being starts. Yeah. And, Traumatizes right, us. Right. We go through all this trauma. We get, you know, left too long in the crib and somebody calls us a name and we get bullied and we, um, all of a sudden we start to, because of the experiences we have, we start to form beliefs and these beliefs then turn into actions um, later in life. And all of these things pull us away from the soul Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they pull us into a place of ego, right? So ego and soul are are counterpoints. They're opposites. Mm -hmm. And most of us live in very much in a place of ego. Ego. Yeah. So how do we stay more with the soul? Well, how do we connect with our soul? Well, I'll tell you not to plug myself, but (laughs) I just finished a book about it. Oh, nice. And uh, Well, the, you well, are here to plug yourself, so oh, please okay. tell us where we can buy it and yeah. where people can find um, it. Well, it's, it ta- I, I actually I published, uh, or a book of mine was published last year called Lost in Ghost Town, which is a memoir about my life that, um, that was an amazing experience. And the new book is more of a spiritual self-help book, and it really is about how one aligns with their soul, especially when they're dealing with, uh, addictive tendencies mm-hmm. and, and what's that called? It's called, uh, it's called, we are all addicts Okay. and, um, the soul's path to healing addiction. Oh, very Whoa, cool. I love that. Very That's nice. interesting. So wow. The, look at that. So the hypothesis of the book really is that the way that we look at addiction, especially in Western culture is with a lot of um, shame, a lot of shame, and um, we stigmatize it, and we think of it a bad thing, and we think it's something that other people have, and and the argument that I'm making is that it's actually energy that we all have in some capacity, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's food or it's vanity or it's um, anger or it's exercise or love, toxic relationships that we all all of us experience some form of addiction in our lives. And so it's something that we all share and therefore should be very compassionate about. Right. Wow. I love that. Very, very interesting lead in there. I want to know whether or not, okay, we've talked so little about secure relationships mm-hmm. or relationship, um, secure, attachment attachment style, style. secure attachment style that 
I had to think, I couldn't help but wonder, as Carrie Bradshaw would say, <laughs> does this generation, well, we'll say millennials, do, do we have more uh, of the avoidance and the anxious attachment styles and other generations because of just technology and the way that we've lived so digitally versus well, I think, our parents who had to like pick up the phone to flirt. I think that's mm-hmm. who actually connected. Right. I, well, yeah, I, I think that you make a great point, Ashley, which is that all of the new technology and the way that you, we communicate really inhibits our ability in most cases, especially during a pandemic, to be with one another, right? And be able to foster normal, healthy uh, relationships with people in person and in proximity. Um, in, in, in the book, I write about this. Um, my brother, when his daughter turned 16, she had a birthday party and there were 10 16-year-old girls around the table And they were, he looked up at one point and all of them were on their phones Mm -hmm. and they were all texting each other. What? So they weren't even talking to one another over the table. Oh no, that's scary. Oh God, that's so scary. And so I think you're right. You know, the, the, the way the technology is so prevalent in our lives right now is creating, I think, more, um, I think more uh, more anxious attachment styles. Mm-hmm. I feel like it'd be, it's so rare to see a Gen Z relationship. You know, like are they ever going to be in a relationship? Like right. a committed one? It's so crazy to me. Right, right. And you know, I just wanted to answer. Shout out to all the dogs on this podcast today. Sorry, <laughs> well, my dog's snoring in the background. So, <laughs> so um, in terms of getting in touch with our soul, it's. Um, it's something that the soul likes it when it is recognized. So the first step is to recognize that you have a soul to actually commit to that belief and say, yeah, there's this part of me, this like really beautiful part of me that doesn't know any suffering or pain or any fear and to recognize that and then to acknowledge it. And Mm -hmm. That's something that I do every day. I um, I have a conversation with my soul, and that's cool. That reminds me of when we I did Reiki. Yeah. yeah, and they were like, "Okay, now imagine your younger self," and I'm like, "This is crazy." Right. I'm like so, crying on the spot right now, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like it is. It you feel like so different when you think about like a younger, not cynical self. Yeah, or like the essence of who you the are. Essence of who you are. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Oops. I love that you have a combo with your, what do you ask yourself or tell yourself in the morning? I, I actually asked my soul for, um, to be with me all day and to, to speak through me and to take away my fear and to take away my anger and to take away my ego. And so I sort of asked for all of these things from my soul. I love that. That's great advice. That's so beautiful. I wanted to not to backtrack and zigzag and have a, you know, not chronological combo, but I just for everyone listening, because we got us, the three of us got to go through stuff. But can you give us the other spinoff and what the characteristic of that is? And maybe also the characteristic of someone who is avoid and attach, not through the lens of Ashley and I, but just like so people listening can be like oh that's what i am right right avoid an attachment um they tend to have uh, a difficult time engaging in relationships um they have their defenses up they have difficulty with intimacy um they tend this is anxious avoidant no No, this is just avoidant oh god i think we did avoid oh did we do avoid right yeah, oh. yeah. I was wondering for the two like spinoff ones. Like a like secure, anxious, a secure anxious or something. I think it would just be a combination of the two, right? Um, the fear oh. would not only be that somebody was going to leave them, but also the fear uh, would be embodied by you really revealing yourself. So okay. And the fear of revealing ourselves is really what creates avoidant attachment. The fear of mm-hmm. someone really uh, us opening up and someone rejecting us. Mm-hmm. And then sounds and, like a fuck boy a little bit. 
what Case Kenny yeah. would call it a fuck boy. 100%. Yeah. Right, right. And then and so being securely attached, I can, you can imagine, is someone who um, feels as though what they have in a relationship is enough, is not waiting for the other shoe to drop, does not have a lot of anxiety that someone is going to leave them or break up with them, that feels um, that even if some the relationship weren't going to work out, that they would be fine on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. How are fifty percent of people this? Uh, it's amazing, and I need to get. Yeah, to that sounds awesome. <laughs> because like yeah. I feel like every heartbreak, and I'm trying to remind myself, I'm like, I'll be okay. I'm resilient. Right. I was okay after all the other ones. If this doesn't work out, I'll be fine. But then I have this anticipation of like, I will be devastated. I won't leave my house for a week if this doesn't. Oh yeah, completely. Yeah, um, they can be devastating, and and I totally relate to that. Um, but there are many people that are uh, believe that they're with or without a significant other, that they're going to be okay. They're going to be. That's the key. That's the key. I love it. But, but would you suggest that people who are either avoidant or um, anxious, like find a secure and that's like kind of the only way it'll work. Like can too anxious work? Well, the problem with anxious a great finding a secure um, oftentimes is that the secure has to be very patient and has mm-hmm. to be very tolerant and has to be very loving and it has to be in a good emotional place themselves, right? Yeah. And because mm-hmm. an anxiously attached person can be a lot to handle. And so they have to really be invested and 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 through their reassurance and through harboring a safe space for that anxiously attached person to slowly make them feel like they're being seen and they're being heard and that they're safe. Mm-hmm. I think that Jared and I were both avoidant and that's why we had to be friends for two and a half years. I think you're Maybe right. Get- I think that's exactly yeah, right, okay. actually. Wow. It was like your warm up, you yeah. know, like, is yeah. this going to be safe or not? Um, wow. So for everyone listening, this has been like unbelievable. You're the best. Thank you so much. Um, how can people find out what their attachment style is? Like, do you trust quizzes online? <laughs> I don't have any quizzes, but uh, I've written about it. You can find an article on my website that I wrote about it. You can find one on Goop that I wrote. Cool. Um, yeah. I do a lot of writing for, what- for Goop and... What's your website? Cool. What's Gwyneth Paltrow like? She's amazing. She's the best. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's really so cool. What's your website? My website is my name, just www.carterstout.com. And that's C-A-R-D as in David, E-R, Carter Stout. Carter. Yeah. Such a cool way to spell Carter, mm-hmm. by the Thank way. Thank you. It was, my, it was my grandmother's maiden name. Oh, that's cool. Aww, that's, that's awesome. Beautiful. I like My name it. was Maxine Carter. Yeah. I, oh, Maxine. That's oh, Maxine. After your daughter. I have one more question yeah. to end this. I just, it's been lingering in my head ever since Naz was talking about uh, her three dates, yeah. uh, uh, you know, obsession, quote, quote. How do you know the difference between infatuation and love? Because I was called out on Bachelor in Paradise by my good friend Nick Vial for I was apparently in infatuation with my husband, but obviously we know it was love. So how do you know the difference? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. And once again, I think it's going to depend on the person. But if I would, if I could answer that um, in in a more general way, I would say that infatuation is kind of a heightened uh, sense of uh, that a person is this, you know, perfect specimen Mm -hmm. that is going to solve all of your problems and fulfill all of your needs and that you can't stop thinking about them because in some way that they are going to, you know, be the answer to everything that is missing in your life. Got it. That would be an infatuation. Um, Love would be just a deep appreciation for another person and to see all of their beautiful qualities and, but not to be 
psychologically dependent on them for something that you would need. Cool. I love it. Love yourself. Talk to your soul. Don't depend on other people and become securely attached before you die. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Thank you so much. You were great. Can I I, um, take a picture? Yeah. Yeah. We should probably end this podcast so, and then we can take it. Can you guys all be crowded in together? Yeah. (laughs) All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, Bye. If you want to be the most interesting person at the cocktail party, well, hop on over and listen to the Brain Candy Podcast. Our award-winning content will have you laughing while you're learning. We read all the best articles, books, and studies, and keep up with new TV shows, documentaries, and pop culture. And then we cram it all into two shows a week. Conspiracy theories, cannibal rabbits, unsolved mysteries, the history of the Walkman. There's something for everyone. The Brain Candy Podcast. Find our link in the show notes. Or simply search for the Brain Candy Podcast on your podcast app. I don't know. Podcast.